Today is the second Sunday of Apeep, um, and in today, the readings of the church ask a very important question that we're going to see. I'd like to start with Acts. The first two verses in Acts say this, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This comes from Acts 5. And at first glance, it seems, okay, yeah, like we've seen the apostles rescued from prisons all the time. But these two verses act like a hinge and a focal point for the message of today. You see, earlier in the chapter, the apostles were in the temple preaching. And they were doing all these signs and wonders. Um, and people were gathered around them. There were a big crowd that was just, like, amazed by them. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible tells us this. Yet none of, um, it says, yet none of the rest, that everybody was amazed by them, yet none of the rest dared to join them. But the people esteemed them high. And then it says this, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. This is a good translation, with the exception of one word, the word and. In the Greek, it's actually malonde. It's showing a contrast. You have all these people that are watching the apostles and being amazed by them, but they don't dare to join them. And then you have the believers, um, the pistovondes, the ones that are actually believing and being added. And in here, the message of today is really about one question. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be, quote-unquote, a disciple? Or I guess in their, uh, at their time, apostles. What does that look like? And in here, we see in this message, in, in the first two verses of Acts, we see two things. One, we see what God is doing. God doesn't leave his followers. Those that are actually doing his work, he sends them an angel. But it doesn't stop there. The angel lets them out of prison. Of course, they were in the temple, had a crowd, and the high priests were not very happy with that. And eventually, they took him to prison. Um, but the, the angel tells them, go, stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of life. So God is helping him, supporting them, sending him an angel by saying, go, you have a mission. Go do it again. Keep in mind, these are just some fishermen. Like, if they're freed from prison, they just go home. Like, why would they go again? Right? But now they have a criminal record, too. But that's not even, like, what they're thinking. They have a mission. And that's probably the first answer to our question. What does it look like to be a follower of Christ? And the first thing is to have a mission. There's a, there's a book by Kyle Eidelman called Not a Fan. And the entire premise of the book is that a lot of people are fans of Jesus. Like they'll tell you, oh yeah, I love Jesus. But they don't actually put in the sacrifice to be a follower of him. We can, we can say I love Jesus from here till tomorrow, but if our actions don't actually show that, saying I love Jesus is like saying I love pizza. Like, yeah, I like pizza, but I'm not giving my life up for that. Love without the actions that back it up is just a fan. A person who, yeah, admires Christ. And Christ himself tells us, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And in the, in the proxies, we see this clearly. There are those that were wondering, they were amazed by the apostles, but they didn't want anything to do with them. They just really liked the apostles, loved watching them, loved hearing them, but they didn't want to be one of them. And then on the other side, you have the believers, the ones that were willing to put the sacrifice. 
And in here, we see the difference between a fan and a follower. In the Pauline epistle today, Paul begins um, by defending himself as an apostle. He tells us that he did not take his apostleship. He was not commissioned by man. He has a mission, and that mission was given to him by God. In 2 Corinthians later, he's going to say what that mission actually entails. Hardships. You know, he was beaten, thrown out. He received 40 minus 1 lashes three times. He almost fainted. He almost died. His, the ships broke with him a few times on his trip. He's telling you, it, it takes sacrifice. And so the first answer, really, to be a follower of Christ is someone with a mission, and that mission entails sacrifice. True followers of Christ will always have a mission. And true followers of, of Christ are always willing to put the sacrifice. Without that, they could be fans. Yeah, they like Christ, but we have to be followers. We have to lead. Uh, we have to follow our leaders. Because he's, when we follow him, we're going to follow him into heaven. I can assure you, hell is full of fans of Jesus. The second thing that the, the, Bible, uh, that the Bible readings today, the Gospel and uh, the Pauline, and the Catholic epistles especially, show us is that followers look different than the rest. The rest that we saw, the rest that don't leap on, looks something, and the followers, the believers, look something else. In the Catholic epistle, we see this in verse 16 and 17 especially. He says, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, and we see here the contrast again, there's them, the rest, but you, you should be believers, you should be followers. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They're following in the footsteps of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. We see this again in verse 19 and 21, where he says, These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, again we see the same contrast, these but you. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, in the love of uh, yeah, God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, there's, a, there's a, a famous kind of anecdote. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? Um, unfortunately, a lot of, especially in today's culture, Sometimes it's hard to tell who is a Christian and who's not. Sometimes a Christian or a person that identifies as a Christian looks like a secular person, looks like the world, looks like the rest. And that's a problem. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If it looks like a worldly person and acts like a worldly person, that's a worldly person, even if they claim to be Christian. You know, it's, it's interesting... Uh, when I was living in one of the southern states, I had two very close co-workers that were friends. I consider them friends. Um, and we used to do a lot of things together. One of them was very secular. Um, she didn't really go to church or do anything like that. And she was very open about it. And the other was a very professed Christian. He'd tell you, I'm a Christian. But every day of the week, they looked exactly the same. Except on Wednesday, there was a Bible study for an hour. And the person that was called Christian was there. Right? On Sunday, the person that you know, identified himself as a Christian, was there. For three hours of the week, they looked different. But every other time, they were the same. They spoke the same. 
They said the same curse words. They dressed the same. They hung out with the same people. They hung out in the same way. They, you can tell them apart. If you had to ask me, if I didn't see them, if I didn't see that one person in Bible study in the two hours on Sunday, I wouldn't know he's a Christian at all. Unfortunately, a lot of us think that's what Christianity is, but the Bible here, and especially in, in, uh, in the Catholic epistle today, is clearly a believer needs to be different than the rest. Something has to be different in everything we do. There is, I think, there's a famous parable, I think it's attributed to Confucius, but it says, the one who is careless in anything is careless in everything. We cannot do some things right and some things wrong on purpose and be like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. We have to try actively. Of course we're going to have mistakes, but we have to try actively to do everything right. The one who is careless in anything is really just careless in everything. And so the second thing that a believer looks like is that he looks different. He looks different. And Christ himself in the gospel today says the famous verses if your hands, in Matthew 18, 8 through 9, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it away from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it away from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. These verses obviously have shook a lot of people for two millennia. They're a very powerful message and a very powerful image. And it is very tempting to take it symbolically. But actually, Father Matthew the Poor says this is not a symbolism. This is not an allegory. This is real. It's not physical. Like, God doesn't want to physically like, harm ourselves, obviously. But it's not symbolic. It's real. He really wants us to pluck our eyes and take our hands off. Not in a physical way but in an actually mature spiritual way. To be able to give up something as dear to us as our hand and eyes, just because we know the value of the kingdom. A believer looks different. A believer gives things up that other people might think, oh, why would you do that? A believer is willing to, to separate himself even from his own life, as Christ told us. Yesterday, when we were doing church tours, we talked about the persecution and martyrdom. Um, and for them, they weren't giving up an eye or a hand. They weren't giving up their head. They were giving up their life. They were giving up their entire being. And it was really a question of which is more valuable. Christ and being with Christ forever or this life. And for them, the choice was clear. They were willing to cut off anything, not just hand and eye. And so I think Father Matthew the Poor is right. Yeah, God is not asking for us to take this hurt physically. God doesn't want us to hurt ourselves or harm ourselves physically, of course. But he wants to take it literally. Literally, but not physically. A believer looks different. A believer acts different. A believer behaves different. Not in a pretentious way. Like, we, we can still be friends with people that are different from us. We can still appreciate and learn from them. We can still be peaceful with everyone, as Roman tells us, right? As, as far as you are able, be peaceful with everyone. But we don't have to look like them. We don't have to behave like them. So the first thing was that a believer has a mission and a sacrifice. And the second thing is that a follower looks different than the rest. The third and final thing I want to highlight is that the followers of Christ are true leaders. I was listening to a book actually on the drive here. Not today, on the drive, like um, 
on, on Friday night. Um, and it's called Eat, uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And it was really interesting. And his whole idea is that um, leaders create an environment where their followers feel safe enough to open up. They motivate the people around them. They carry a cause that is bigger than themselves. And he says the number one that leaders can do that is by putting everyone else before them. Leaders eat last. And his, his picture that he actually opens the book with is in the Marines. So apparently, I didn't know this. In the Marines, the most senior generals eat at the very, very end when they make sure that every other person in their, um, I guess, division, chapter, I don't know what you call it, um, has eaten already. When they make sure everybody has gotten enough, that's when they eat. Because they're true leaders. They're looking out for everybody else. Interestingly, that's exactly what Christ is asking his apostles to do in the gospel. The gospel message today begins with the, apostles, with the, apostles, with the disciples, the apostles, bickering about who's, who's best, who's greater. Who's the boss, pretty much? Like, who's the boss here? And Christ, like, is, is telling him, you got this whole message upside down. That's not what leaders are. Leaders are not just bosses. They're not the ones that are, you know, telling you, I'm better than you, and you should listen to me. He brings a child and puts him in the middle, and he says, this is what leaders look like. They look like children. One thing that Simon Sinek actually also highlights is um, leaders make others around them feel valuable, feel essential, right? And one way to do that is dependence. Children are dependent on the people around them. And they know that they're dependent, and they make sure that you know that they're dependent. They're, they're dependent on their parents, and they will tell their parents when they're hungry, when they're tired. when They know they're dependent. They make their parents feel valuable. Their parents are essential to them. It's not like, oh yeah, you're just there. No, like you are valuable. You are needed. You are important. I depend on you. Children do that both with God, depending on God, but also with the people around them. That's a good leader. A good leader depends on the people around them, shows them you are valuable. You're essential. I, I need you. We all need you. You're essential for this organization. That's the kind of leadership Christ is asking his apostles to be. To be the leaders who eat last. To be the servants, not the bosses. But on the other hand, a leader could uh, you know, ask someone to do something, like need something, but like in almost like an abusive way, right? Like getting like uh, people, like the, their followers would feel like they're just being taken advantage of. They're, they're just using me over and over and over again. That's not a good leader, right? That's just a bad leader who has needs. A good leader has a balance between dependence and appreciation. And surprisingly, again, children have that too. Children have a very expressive appreciation. They'll let you know when they like someone, right? They give big hugs and blow kisses. That's a good leader, surprisingly. Christ is asking his apostles to be true leaders, to lead people into heaven. And to be true good leaders, they need to show others that they're valuable, even more valuable than me. And they need to show appreciation like children in the most simplistic ways. To have dependence and appreciation in a framework of a relationship. Not just as a transaction or, oh yeah, I just needed something from you. He puts the child in the middle and says, this is what I want you to be. You, if you're not converted and become like one of these children, you're not going to enter the heaven. You're not a follower. You're just a fan. If you want to follow, be that kind of leader. Be like a child. Show dependence, show value, and appreciation in the most simplest, simplistic and genuine way, like a child.
And so when we put this all together, we ask, what does a follower of Christ look like? Well, it looks like Christ. If we go to the Pauline epistle today, we see how Paul describes Christ. Paul is is saying, I am an apostle. And in that, he's saying, I follow Christ. But what is Christ? What does Christ look like? Well, he says this. In in Galatians 1, 3-4, he says, Our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Christ was that kind of leader. Christ showed dependence. He sent his apostles. They were the ones that preached. They were the ones that sat the multitude. They were the ones that moved the stone. They were the ones that gave the fish and food. They were the ones that went around and preached. They were the ones that did the miracles and cast out devils. And he gave them authority. He made them feel valuable. They were not like unessential. They were at the heart of his message. But also he showed appreciation. And he showed love. And he didn't say love as a word. He showed it when he gave himself up. He died for the people he loved. Christ was a true leader. When we say, when we ask the question, what does a follower of Christ look like? A follower of Christ looks like Christ. And the three, that, the, and the three things that the readings highlight today is that a follower of Christ has a mission, and that mission has a sacrifice. We see that in Christ. A follower looks different than the rest. We see that in Christ, in everything he did. And a follower is a true leader, but the kind of leader that eats last, that puts everyone else before them. A follower does that because Christ does that. I'd like to end with a psalm. The psalm for today is from the long psalm, which would be 119 or 118. And it says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. The followers of Christ are undefiled in the way, walk in the law of the Lord, keep his testimonies, and seek him with his whole heart. If we ask, what do the followers of Christ look like? That's what they look like. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.